Welcome to the newest edition of the Screenfellows Podcast. My name is Carlos. And my name is Ozzy. In this episode, we will be reviewing The Snowman and the Meyerowitz stories, as well as discussing the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels and having a debate. Enjoy the show. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, this is... I don't know. I'm, I'm starting... There might be a little bit of a conspiracy going on here, at least in my head, because, you know, is it a coincidence that you didn't see the movie this week and it just happens to have like a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes? I don't know. It's literally a coincidence, man. I really, <laughs> I really wanted to see it. I was just like, man, I want to see it. But one, I had one, I had no one to go with me. Two, I was just like, I was trying to balance it out, but I was trying to figure out a lot of stuff because I might, I might be, I might be moving houses. For those of you guys who don't know, I might be moving, so I'm just trying to get that all situated and everything. So yeah, I'm just trying to get. It's been, it's been crazy. It's been crazy over here. <laughs> Crazy. All right, fine. We'll chalk it up to coincidence for now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, before we actually get started, there is one thing that I wanted to like just mention because it's just, I mean, I, I first just want to talk about number one, the face, you know, on Facebook, how you have like that, this, that on this, on this day feature, like where they show you everything that you posted, like on that day in past years, right? Yeah. So that has been like really weird for me, at least. I don't know about you. I mean, because it's posting a lot of, it's showing me a lot of like podcast stuff. And like this time last year, like we had a pretty much our full team at that point, which uh, we don't have anymore at, at this point. We're down to, we lost two people. So we're at seven now, but we were at a full nine at that point. Uh, well, I don't know if we had um, our writer yet. I don't know. But anyway, we we were at a, basically a full team at that point and it's just it's funny seeing all that stuff seeing pictures um we we're posting behind the scenes videos at that point and you know it's i think it's funny that we're f getting our youtube channel back up and running now and this is when a year ago our youtube channel was starting to get up and running in the first place i, I don't know it's just something that i thought of and also I was just, re <laughs> I, I thought of this because I was talking about, or I think I was talking to Clark the other day, who, if you don't know Clark, he's been on the podcast a couple of times, he's been in a couple of videos, things like that. And I just went back and watched the YouTube video of our, the podcast segment, <laughs> where it was, where we were recapping Westworld and we had Clark on and his um, now famous <laughs> Love is the Maze <laughs> quote and it's still just hilarious and then also just listening to that episode i mean i didn't i didn't um watch the whole video i just got to the love and the love is the maze part and i was like this is hilarious and then we ended up like i need to go and do something but just listening to the beginning of that like we were just love I, I, is the maze yeah man. that was one of the greatest moments the podcast has ever had oh definitely and <laughs> it's just the whole thing with um 
us just talking about Westworld and theorizing on Westworld and you are so against you are so against the multiple timelines theory and no spoilers we don't want to spoil Westworld for those who haven't seen it because you really need to see it but um it's just it's funny listening back to things like that I had the same experience when I went back and listened to our Game of Thrones extravaganza from last year before the finale this year it's just it's funny listening to yourself theorize about things when you already know it's gonna happen you know yeah 100 percent agree i mean i've been getting stuff on facebook hey you posted this a year ago about the podcast i'm like damn it's already been a year already <laughs> so it's just it's just crazy it's crazy i remember like you know this past week you know also with the youtube channel you know i was all the way in by the way that was that was just a whole nother story but um <laughs> yeah yeah that's a whole other story but i mean just Setting up the setting in when we hadn't done it in just a few months, just because of the schedules that Rika and I have, just really setting up everything. I was like, this feels this feels great, but <laughs> I feel like I haven't done it in such a long time. So it was it was great, you know, just really, you know, even even setting up the set again and everything, and and getting back to how we used to do things. Mm-hmm. It was it was nice. It's nice, but um, you know, that's not the only thing that happened this week. I mean, I started. You know, for those of you guys who don't know, I mean, Dennis has been on the show three times, three, four times, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was also, he also saw, you know, the, the set himself and everything. And this week, we actually rewatched, it was me and two, Dennis and another friend of ours, we rewatched The Flash. And I swear, the second time that me and my other friend saw it, we were both like just shaking our heads the entire time. <laughs> Because I think the second time it was just worse. Really? <laughs> yes, Carlos. And actually, I meant I brought you up. It was like, damn. I mean, Carlos dropped season four. He already dropped it in season three. He's not watching season four. And then she goes, "If this does not get any better, I'll be dropping the fives. It's just like okay. Because yeah. I don't think I want. I really haven't gotten into detail. I mean, Iris is leading. Is she was leading Team Flash? And I really didn't. It really didn't dawn on me until she brought. Until like I thought about. It. I was like, "Why is this journalist <laughs> leading a met like two metas and a cop? Like, what are you like? What are you doing? <laughs> like, I don't know. I was I was frustrated. Yeah. And she said, and just to just to make. And I'm not trying to really down the flash. I'm really not. But Carlos, I don't think. I think this is gonna make you not want to watch the flash even more. She told Barry, he's not the flash. They're the Flash. <laughs> uh, that so. sounds about right for the Flash. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> yeah. I, I, everything I've been hearing from Enrique, and Enrique has been doing a great job of live tweeting the Flash, which is amazing. If you haven't seen Enrique's tweets, you should go find him on Twitter and uh, just follow those because they're pretty funny. But yeah, it's just everything I've been hearing does not make me want to go back. But let's talk about something else that wasn't. Um, that I don't necessarily want to go back to, and that is the snowman. Want to go back to the snowman? (laughs) No, I do not want to go back to the snowman, but we will talk about it. We will review it. And now, as I have, as I already said, I, last time I checked, this movie's at like a 9%. The only reason I know that is because it's one of those movies where it's so, like the, the, the reaction from critics is so negative that it's impossible to avoid. You know, where, because, you know, a lot of the times, like when Get Out came out, right, where it's 
100% on Rotten Tomatoes or when Arrival came out last year, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for forever. It's not anymore, but it was for a while. And those, you get those stories, right? Well, the opposite is true as well, where when you get a movie that's like 0% on Rotten Tomatoes or 3%, you know, we get a lot of those stories. And that's when it becomes hard for someone who tries to avoid those things like myself <laughs> to avoid <laughs> and uh, that's yeah it, it's it's i that being said with there is this the reviews and all that uh, obviously i tried to throw that all out the window and just go into the movie and i will say it's not awful it's not like the worst movie of the year it's not and i know our writer on the website gave it a a pretty negative review she was saying very similar things to um, what she was saying for uh, the, I believe she compared it to the Emoji movie, which I know she hated in that, where she said, I thought there wasn't going to be a worse movie than the Emoji movie. And that's, I, I don't agree with that. Number one, I don't agree with that on a lot of fronts because I didn't think, I know Ozzy and I disagreed on this, but I don't think the Emoji movie was like an abomination to humanity. It's not it was good. An abomination to humanity. Carl. But how you saw. But <laughs> I I don't think that this is like awful. I think it's another case where it's just it's not good. It's definitely not good. And it's to be honest, it's bad. But it's not like one of the worst movies I've ever seen or anything like that. Like a lot of people are painting it. So to start out in that positive light, as positive as I can get, Michael Fassbender is pretty good. Uh, if you don't know what this movie is about, it's based on a book, uh, first and foremost. Uh, it's based on a book, and it's with Michael Fassbender's character. I can't remember the character's name. I don't care to look it up. And uh, he... Bas basically, there's this guy who starts going around killing young-ish women who are married and ha are having marital problems, I guess. It's part of the story. Anyway, uh, he kills them and he cuts their heads off and cuts off their bodies and puts them like puts their heads on snowmen and puts snowmen heads on them. It's weird. Anyway, that's the story. And he's trying to solve this murder and or this serial killer's mystery or whatever. And Rebecca Ferguson's also there and she has a huge role as well. And I, Michael Fassbender, he's fine. It's not like it's he's as he's as okay as Michael Fassbender can be. It's I don't know. It wasn't his best performance. It's not something to write home about. But he's you know he he's doing his best with what he's given. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, she she's good as well. I mean the, the the weird thing is there's a lot of talented people in this movie, but it's just so horribly thrown together that it all kind of just collapses. And I, I don't know. I, the, the, really, the performances are the best thing I can say about it. There's stretches in the movie of interesting bits of story where you're actually intrigued by the mystery of it and who did it. But it's not enough. And I'm just going to move right into negatives, um, if that's all right with you. Because yeah, man. Go ahead. it's this is one of the worst edited movies that you will see <laughs> this year. And it's, it's truly awful. And I, I read something again, it's when, when a movie is this poorly reviewed, it's hard to avoid these things. But I read something where they cut, I believe 12 or 15% of the script. They just didn't film it. Yeah. <laughs> they just didn't film 12 to 15% of the script. 
And then they were like, all right, well, we can work with what we got. That That's not okay. <laughs> that doesn't work. And you can feel it. Um, this there's large portions of this movie that do not make any sense. Character motivations don't make any sense. There's a lot of just sloppy editing and just really is, I mean, even there's an action quote unquote kind of action scene at the end, kind of not really. It's a fist fight scene. Right. And it's really one of the worst edited. Like it's not that hard. Just film the fight scene. You didn't have to do a lot of this throughout the movie. You have one fight scene. Just do it well. And they couldn't do it. It's poorly edited. You, I honestly, as it was going on, I'm like, I literally have no idea what is happening on the screen right now. It, it's just not good <laughs> on that level. And I, I don't know. It's just the whole thing is poorly edited, and just you, you can't. It's an impossible to follow story. I, I, I'm sorry, you, I was like, just like, I have no idea when this is taking place, like, there's different, like, flashback type things that they would do, and I'm like, I don't know who this is, when this is, how this relates to this, they're not explaining it at all, it's just kind of happening, and it's not, it just doesn't flow, the whole movie doesn't flow, you can't understand what's going on, Rebecca Ferguson's place in the movie is really coincidental, Unless, and again, they probably, there's probably some explanation, but it's not put together well where I understood what was happening. And I didn't care about the characters, to be honest. You don't really spend much time with them. Michael Fassbender's character, he's not a good person, so why should I be rooting for him? It's just, there's nothing there to necessarily attach yourself to in that respect. Michael Fassbender's not a likable character in this movie? No, he's a drunk. He's a drunken idiot. Um, well, I wouldn't say an idiot. He's good at his job, but he's a drunk. And there's not too many redeeming qualities about him as a character. There's a lot of really weird and random, like, side stories and side aspects of the, the movie that it, it just takes different avenues where you're just like, okay, so where are we going with this? And then they don't really address it. It just kind of happens, and then they go back to what they were doing before. And it just, I don't know, the whole thing is just kind of underwhelming, to say the least. I will say this, and this is a positive that I did forget to mention, is I actually, again, until the last act of the movie, I actually really like the way this movie's shot. It's, the cinematography is not an issue here, so that's one thing, one thing to hold on to, uh, on top of the performances, uh, but it's not enough. It just really isn't. It's a poorly put together movie. And it's just, it's unfortunate because, I mean, these are, from what I gather, these are popular books, they're good stories, but again, you can't just not film that large of a portion of your your script and then expect to be able to throw the whole thing together and understand what, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's, and I don't know, it's it's a bad movie, it really is, and I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, once again, as I mentioned at the top, Ozzy dodges a bullet here. But um, <laughs> one movie that we did both see is actually a recommendation from former uh, head of video production here at Screenfellows. It was a recommendation from Miles, and it is The Meyerowitz Stories on Netflix. So this is a Netflix movie. It's basically about this family this very dysfunctional family that all kind of revolves around this father and 
basically how he screwed up his children. <laughs> That's what the movie is about. And there's not really too, too much in terms of plot here that I can really explain. It's basically just about these people and their family. Now, there's a few things that I could spoil, but we're obviously not going to spoil. But it that that's basically the premise of the movie. It's just this family and how they were all impacted by their father, both positively and negatively. So, Ozzy, I'm going to throw it to you because since I've been talking for a while, what did you think of the Meyerowitz stories? Um, I thought it was kind of weird. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely weird, especially with adam sandler's daughter <laughs> yeah in the movie because i was just like she's just like i want to be a filmmaker and everything and, you're like, and i'm I'm saying i'm like yeah i mean that's great you know because i want to be a filmmaker so i'm relating to her and then she sends them a movie and i was just like i guess we're not in the same way i, I guess i want the same thing as you because <laughs> you want to film something different take the hint people so anyways that's what she wanted to do there is some nudity in this movie i will that that's what we'll say <laughs> yeah um yeah i'm just pulling up the cast real quick but i'm gonna go ahead and say starting off with positives uh the this is adam sandler's best performance that i've seen in a very long time yes a really good performance by him definitely something different and i want to see more of i want to see more of, of what he can do mm-hmm. in terms of his dramatic roles I think that was very well done by him. I think he did a really good job with this role yeah. in particular. And, a, and another shout out that I want to say. Just one, one more, one more. Okay. Sorry, Carlos. You're good. Um, another shout out I want to give give uh, is to Ben Stiller. Yes. Ben Stiller again, just like he just breaks. Like this is, I thought he did great in. Um, he did a movie earlier this year. I forgot the movie's called. This is slipping Brad my mind. Status. He did a movie. Yes, my status. He was amazing in the movies here, but I think this performance here really surpasses it. I mean, there is just one scene where he just breaks down, and my goodness, man, you just feel all of his emotion, and it is just so riveting. I, I really loved both of these actors' performances in the movie. Carlos, I'll let you say what you have to say. Yeah, so you're good. I, in regards to Adam Sandler, he, this is his, you're right, it's his best work in a while. And it's funny because I think this movie, again, shows us two things when it comes to Adam Sandler. Number one, he likes to remind everyone every once in a while that he can actually act, um, which is, it's like, you have this in you where you're really good. I mean, it's not like he's going to win Oscars or anything. I don't think it's that, but he's really good in this movie. And he has that, he has this sadness to him and this kind of uh, a ch- childish, uh, you know, his childish adult persona that he has on most of his movies. In most of his movies, he's like a really uh, dopey adult who is a, really a kid at heart, right? <clears throat> in this movie, he takes that and spins it on its head and turns it on its head where it's that same kind of thing, but it's in a much darker way. And it, it's really interesting when he's able to do something like that. And again, it's just reminding you, Adam Sandler's a good actor. He just does a lot of stupid movies. And another thing I think this shows us is that critics don't crap on Adam Sandler movies because they're Adam Sandler movies. You know, like, this movie is being very well received. And it's not because... 
and if if critics just hated excuse me if critics just hated adam sandler movies then they would be crapping on this movie too it's not they just hate adam sandler movies it's they want him to be they want him to be in good movies and when he does a good movie they will point out he does a good movie and this is not your typical adam sandler comedy and that's i think why it's getting so much recognition because i i don't i didn't love this movie but it's always it, it pops when adam sandler does something that is not a stupid comedy in regards to ben stiller Yes, I know Adam Sandler's getting all of the attention for this movie because, like we said, he's doing something different. But Ben Stiller's the best part of this movie. He is fan-freaking-tastic. He is great. So I really love the performances throughout, um, in, in all honesty. I, you, you pulled up the cast list. Who else do you want to shout out? Uh, the girl who plays Jean, Elizabeth Marble. She did a yes. fantastic job, a really amazing job with her work. Um, I mean, these are the ma- really three main characters that you really get. And the dad, like he's the, really good, too. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman, he, he also does a really good job as the yeah. father. You know, I, I really like seeing how the kids, you know, when and really when you look at the, the script for this with, for this film, I mean, it's a really good script as well. When you see the when you see his kids, Dustin Hoffman's kids trying to talk to him about something, he completely negates it. Like he doesn't even pay attention to it and he mm-hmm. keeps talking about what he's talking about. He doesn't care. You know, what he's talking about is important. And you see his kids trying to one-up him. Mainly Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler are really trying to just say, I'm talking to you, whatever. But it doesn't resonate with Dustin Hoffman's character. Uh-huh. But So I really like the dialogue there. And I think Dustin Hoffman did a really great great job with his character, as a matter of fact. The script is really good. Um, it's really good script. but not, not the best script I've seen all year. But it's definitely, I mean, it's... If it's not in the top 10, it's definitely in the top 15. It's a really good script. I'll, I'll give it that much. Yeah, definitely. And, and I like how the film is yeah. is also divided into stories. So it's like you're reading a book, mm-hmm. and I like how it's like divided into chapters. I really like that. Yeah, it very much does feel like kind of a mini series almost, but within a movie format. And there's definitely a coherent story all the way through. So it, that's really interesting. And then... I'm glad you mentioned the script because you're right. The dialogue is one of the best parts of the movie and it's really just the back and forth. And it very much feels like I want to say like, (laughs) this is a very strange comparison, but I want to say something like my big fat Greek wedding or whatever, (laughs) you know, where it's just like, it's a lot of just family humor where not family friendly humor. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of F bombs in this movie. Don't want let your kids watch it, but it's family orient or it's, humor based on just family relationships you know and i really gravitated towards that element now there is some humor that just doesn't work and i think we're you already mentioned a little bit of it with the daughter and her storyline but for the most part when they really focused in on the humor surrounding just their relationships and how they spoke to each other it really it's it's funny there's really good moments in this movie and one thing I also do want to mention, it's kind of the polar opposite of a movie that, like what I just talked about in The Snowman, the editing in this movie. You mentioned how it's cut into stories, and that's really, really good. But there's some small things in this movie that just add to it. And one thing, I don't know if you noticed this, but 
I think every story, every one of the sub stories that it was broken up to, I think it might not have been every single one, but almost every one. If you notice, the last line of dialogue is from one of the kids. It's from uh, Ben Stiller, uh, Adam Sandler, and what's the other girl? What's the girl's name? Gene. Yeah, and well, the character yeah, of Gene. Uh, anyway, it's from one of those characters. Almost every final line is, and almost every final line that those characters have in each story in each sub story in this movie is cut off where they're stuck they start their sentence they are about to finish what they're saying and it cuts to the next scene it doesn't let them finish the line and that is such a great choice because again it's just mirroring what the dad is doing to them throughout the entire movie where they're trying to live up to their dad they're trying to match their dad be heard by their father and he cuts them off he doesn't listen and it's just that is so emblematic of what's going on through the movie and it's just a small little thing but it adds so much to the movie and it's just a small artistic choice that i really liked that they made in the editing room yeah i noticed it a lot i was like damn <laughs> it was really like, funny see, too you'd see like adam sandler cursing somebody out he'd be like mother <laughs> and it just cuts it off chapter yeah. two <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I really like that aspect, and like I said, some of the humor. So, do you have anything else, or you want to move to negatives? Uh, let's move to negatives. Yeah, you can start. I and I, I think I know where you're gonna start. Um, yeah, the daughter. It just felt so unrealistic for that point from the daughter. You know, like and their reactions. Her. Yeah, it just their reactions to it, and you know. Just, just the whole thing in general. It's just, I would have been like, "What are you going to school for? Like, that's that's what you're doing. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, if I saw my sister or anybody, you know, doing like, if I saw my sister doing that, you know, because she's like the closest thing to me because she's ten, doing what she was doing, I would flip. I'd be like, "That's not okay. Stop that. Like, what are yeah. you doing? So I just, I just don't understand like where that." that whole thing came from and i feel like it was trying it was trying to force some weird comedy onto you i think mm -hmm. it was trying to be a comedy but it's it, it wasn't working out yeah it's just I, the the humor in those scenes didn't work and it's unfortunate because i think that the daughter was actually pretty good the actress who played her and then also i actually really liked the relationship between adam sandler and her but i think it was kind of wasted because you're right that humor doesn't work and then on top of that, the, her story just feels so out of place from the rest of the movie. And it really does stick out kind of like a sore thumb. Uh, where you're just like... I, what, every time we would advance that story, I'm just like, okay, what, what does this really have to do with what's going on? And that goes all the way up until the very end, really. Where they kind of get a little too artistic for their own good, in my opinion. Where I think that there's some sort of, like thematic thing that they were going for but it really just doesn't hit for me at least uh in that last scene so i i, I don't know it's i i really it, that's not to say all the theme, thematic elements were bad because there's a lot of good stuff don't want to again i don't want to spoil anything so there but there is a lot that they touch on that i really appreciated but for the most part it's just especially with the daughter it didn't work for me in that respect yeah, I mean, I'll 100% agree with you there. Just her storyline. I mean, again, she's a very likable character. Yeah. 
And, you know, when there's stuff going down with Dustin Hoffman's character, I mean, she's there for a little bit of it, and you see her emotions there. I thought she was really well. I just think they didn't give that actress, like, enough opportunity. I would have even loved to see her on screen more if that was possible, just because I feel like she was she was one of the first people that, you know, you even saw interacting with Adam Sandler, and yeah. those two really worked well together. So I would have liked to see more of her. In, in the film and really see her story, you know, because I thought it was really interesting to see that, that she wanted to get into film, but I, I, they didn't explore it in the right way, I guess. So that's like my biggest negative of the whole entire film. And I think that's probably like, I think that's probably, oh, another thing, I feel like they didn't focus on Jean enough either. Like we didn't understand why Jean was the way she was. You know what I'm saying? Like we got p- bits and pieces here and there, but I feel like they mainly focus on Adam Sandler character and Ben Stiller's character. I mean, don't get me wrong, those characters are great, but I would have liked to learn a little bit more about Gene. We got like this huge thing in the end, which was nice. I appreciated it, but we didn't get enough. I feel like we didn't get enough of her story and her art. Yeah, I guess it doesn't necessarily stand out as much to me because I was so satisfied by the character development we got with her late. But you're right, as a whole, if you were to compare screen time, Jean is definitely shortchanged, and the amount of time they spend developing her is shortchanged. Um, so yeah, because like, I didn't right even know, because yeah. I didn't even know who she was, because like you know, the when Netflix goes on, that they're saying it's about these three siblings, and then how they start to divide the the story is okay. Chapter one, it's just it's the first brother, and it's a younger brother, and then it goes to the group, and then the side. Yeah. What about Jean's story? Like, yeah. what? Is, like, what about Jean? Like, why doesn't Jean get her own chapter? And I just, I feel like that's not just. A, I, for me, I just didn't feel justified. Like, I'm gonna sit there and say, I want, I wanted the Jean chapter. Yeah. I don't think there was nothing wrong with the Jean chapter. Fair enough. So, one, the last negative I have is just again going back to the humor. Like, like I said, I really liked aspects of it, especially the family-related kind of thing, but. There's a lot of kind of more absurdist type things that they did, and not necessarily absurdist, but things where it's just that's not how a normal hu- any human being would react to a situation, or no, like there's scenes with the doctor where no doctor would say that, and it's like that's not the tone of this movie, and they would just throw in a joke like that where the doctor is talking about he's going or she i can't remember if it's a guy or girl but they're going on vacation and the children are all freaking out and you know that makes sense but then they're like what you're just gonna do this and then and then go on vacation and the doctor's like yeah pretty much and it's like I don't think a doctor would like say it like that and it's just that's just I, that's just a very um it's just an example of what I'm talking about, where there's moments where I'm just like, and again, it goes back to how the, how Adam Sandler's character reacts to what the daughter's doing. It's just like, I don't think that's how an actual human being would react. And if that's not the overall tone of your movie, then why are we having scenes like this? So I guess in that respect, it's a little tonally jumbled, but it's not a huge problem. It's just something that bothered me a little bit. So, all right. All right. Do you want to rate this movie? Yeah, I give it an 8. Okay. You're higher than me, but not too much higher. I'm at a 7.6. I think it's a good movie. I really do. And I I would recommend it. I think if you're looking for something to watch on Netflix, it's definitely a unique movie to check out. Uh, I don't think it's like one of my favorites of the year or anything like that. And I know 
a lot of people are raving about this movie. I, I'm not going to be like one of those people like, you need to see this movie. Yeah, but it's good. It's definitely good. 100%. All right. Well. Before... It doesn't get 100%, but it's 100%. <laughs> like, it's good. Yeah. No, I don't want people to be like, yo, just give it an A. Like, yo, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before uh, we throw it over to Ozzy, or not Ozzy. Jeez, I do that every week. Uh, Jesse and myself for Star Wars Rebels recap. I mean, I can watch Star Wars Rebels, Carlos, but you're probably not going to like what I have to say. And I don't want to upset you. <laughs> I mean, why don't you watch Star You never know. You could end up liking it. It could be one of those things where, like, I didn't think I was going to like this, but, hey. Uh, I already got enough of my play. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. We are going to, before we throw it over to Jesse and myself, we're going to be having a little bit of a debate here. And this is something that I heard brought up before, and there are different variances of this discussion. It started out with a comparison of... Or just talking about the hype behind Thor, and then it turned into, well, what about the Justice League trailer, and then all this different stuff, and we talked, and then there there was a little bit of a discussion about Thor and Black Panther, and which will make more money, but I think we decided that in a more, in, it fits a little bit more to have this discussion comparing the money when it comes to how much Thor and Justice League will make in their runs and i guess do you want to talk opening weekend numbers or overall i don't know overall i just think that just i just think that justice league won't win that's what i think i'm okay. not gonna go here i'm not gonna sit here and say like i know thor is gonna make 30 million yeah. by sunday I, I don't know i don't know i don't know because i'm not gonna be like one of those projected people that does that but i do think it's going to be Justice League. Okay, so th- let's just do opening weekends then, because overall kind of depends on how good the movie is, and we're not going to predict. That's a lot of factors to go in. So let's just talk opening weekend. What makes more money? We're going to talk Thor, Ragnarok, and the Justice League movie, and they both come out in November. That's why it's a little bit more fitting. So, Ozzy, you think Thor is going to make more money. Why is that so? First of all, let me just say, Tom Hiddleston, okay? Loki, we haven't seen Loki in a few years. People need a dose of Loki right now. People are going to go see, a, a, like, look, Loki's working with Thor again. You and I, we personally love the dialogue that these two shared in the second one. Definitely. I know my money's going to go to freaking Thor. I mean, not that it's not going to go to Justice League, but it's still going to go to Thor first. I mean, definitely. Uh, and people, again, love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. They're going to want to see that. On top of that, this is getting rave reviews as the TV spots come out. I have seen TV spots and that I don't even want to see, but it is it is insane the reviews that they're getting. I'm on Flickster right now, and I see the Rotten Tomato score. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I know you don't want to know what it is. But the Rotten Tomato score is already out, and it is freaking high. I think it's one of the most highest rated Marvel movies ever right now. And... It's, it's insane. That's how high it is. This is getting insane reviews. So I think this movie has all the ingredients to beat Justice League. Now, I don't think Justice League is going to make that money. Look, what what carries Justice League is the nostalgia, okay? Like, yes, we've all wanted to see the Justice League on screen. And as much as I loved Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, as much as I loved Ben Affleck as Batman in Batman vs. Superman... I don't think it's enough to to really push that. 
I mean, not to look. Warner Bros. has not been doing great. Okay, it really hasn't, and especially with all the news that is that has surrounded Justice League in the last in the past few months, it's not well. Okay, and this was mostly directed by that Zack Snyder. That's red flag number one. Red flag number two is they've gone in for a bunch of reshoots, and it's conflicting with a lot. It was conflicting with a lot of the actors' schedules or whatever. So it's just I feel like. Okay, it has the potential to be good, but I don't think it's going to get rave reviews that that it's getting from that that Thor is getting that's going to help it get that extra additional push that it needs to make that money. I just I just don't think so. All right. Uh I think Justice League is going to make more money opening weekend at least. And I think that there's a couple of reasons why. Number 1, number 1 they are coming off of, and this is probably the biggest one, honestly. They're coming off of their best-reviewed movie and a movie that continued to make tons of money into the summer. And it's still playing in some theaters, which is a little insane to me. But it's just, it's crazy. I mean, they're coming off one of their best movies, one of their best-reviewed movies, one of their biggest money-making movies. And I think that that's hard to ignore. I know it's not the same director, and that's fair. But I really, I just, I think that means something, especially because they are focusing a lot of the promotion on Wonder Woman, and rightfully so, because she made tons of money for them. And I think that's really going to help them. They gained new fans with Wonder Woman. They reassured some people with Wonder Woman. They showed that they know kind of what they're doing. And you mentioned all the behind the scenes stuff and all, all, all those kind of things. Yeah, that I think for people like us, that's definitely something that is kind of making us a little trepidatious where we're like, I don't know about this. But there's a lot of people out there and most people who go to see these kind of movies, they don't know about any of that. They don't know about the reshoots. They don't know about what's going on behind the scenes. They just know there's a Justice League movie coming out and it looks big and it looks explosive and all this stuff. And I think the trailers have been pretty good and... You're obviously going to get the DC fans in there. People who like the Zack Snyder movies are going to go because Zack Snyder did direct part of it. But then you're also going to get fans more who are more Marvel-oriented because Joss Whedon helped finish directing it. And also, the trailers kind of have that more fun vibe, so people are going to be more attracted to, oh, okay, so that you're going to get uh, some people who are bigger uh, Okay, when you talk about a fun vibe, I mean Thor Rag the the Thor oh, Ragnarok I agree with you. trailers have that written all over it. Yeah. Okay. I mean Thor Ragnarok, I don't deny the hype and the yeah, fun I mean, of Thor. Thor Ragnarok is being said to be one of the, the one of the most funniest Thor movies. I mean one of the most funniest MCU movies of all time. I mean that's how that's how fun this movie is apparently going to be. So I think if we're talking about more fun, I think Thor beats it there. I do, honestly. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not. But, I'm not I mean, arguing that it's going to um, be more fun. I'm just saying. No, I mean that, I think, that's going to help. Understand? Understand what you're saying? It's supposed to be more fun and everything, and that it looks more fun. I mean, Jason Momoa looks awesome as Aquaman. I mean, it's one thing I got to give. I got to give freaking Warner Brothers is casting that man as Aquaman. That is one of the best decisions they could have ever made. But I just, I still don't think it has that push. Yes, you got Jason Momoa there. Yes, you got. Gal Gadot, yes, you have uh, Ben Affleck. I mean, those are your really three big 
three big people that are really that are really saving them. Yeah, you got Josh Whedon coming back. I still don't think it's a huge push though. I just personally, I just don't think it is. This is the this is the third Thor movie, and we have a and there are a crap ton of Thor fans. There are a crap ton of Loki fans that are wanting to see this. This is, you know, this is one of the last MCU movies, mind you, right before Infinity War. Okay, this is one of the last movies that is right before that movie, and it's going to be huge. We're going to probably get some. We're probably going to see some hints, you know, of of some other things that are leading into the Civil War. Doctor Strange, you're saying Doctor Strange might be might be also in this movie in Thor Ragnarok. So you have a lot of things there that are really pushing again for Thor. I mean, this is the third. This is the conclusion of the Thor. I think it's the I think it's the conclusion. I don't think they're making a fourth Thor unless they do, and they surprise the hell out of me. I don't know, but this is one of the. I mean, this is like this is. I mean, they've been following Thor and Loki for so long. They're gonna. I think. I feel like everybody's gonna put their money on this movie. Hmm. Uh, I just. I okay. Especially, I, especially, yeah. especially. Come on, you have the Hulk joining look, in. Look, I, I, I'm not den- <laughs> I, look, I'm not denying that this movie is going to be awesome and all of that. And I think you're right. It's going to make tons of money. And I really do think that this is going to be very close in terms of uh, just how much these movies make. But uh, look, okay, look at one of, in, in most people's minds, the worst of, and maybe, maybe not everybody's, I think we would disagree. But in a lot of people's minds, the worst of the DC movies is Suicide Squad. Okay. Suicide Squad made a buttload of money. <laughs> it made like $133 million opening weekend. That's a lot of money. That's um and I and I I'm gonna pull up what the first two Thor movies made, but the bottom line is, you know, as much as we love the Thor movies, as and I, I will fight and defend those movies until my dying breath. Those movies are awesome. But most people don't like like those movies. Those movies are not well received. They're not well regarded by most fans. And I think that yes, the trailers look awesome, the hype is real. But I think that there's something to be said about them not really. I mean, yes, this is the MCU and it's coming off of and it's a larger series. So you can say that maybe they're not coming off of directly off of the Thor movies. But if you look at it as just the Thor movies, they're not coming off of major successes. Thor the Dark World was not a huge success in terms of box office. It made good money, but it wasn't like a huge like tentpole type thing. It, it's it, it was it was a decent entry for most people of the MCU. And there's not hype in that respect. But then you want to even look at just coming off of uh, the movies that they're coming off of in terms of just the MCU. Guardians. Guardians made a lot of money. Didn't make as much as a lot of people expected. And a lot of that has to do with word of mouth. It wasn't... It, it Now, I don't want to crap on Guardians of the Galaxy. I know people love the second one. I was not a huge fan of the second one. I thought it was fine. But... Uh, and I think that a lot of there were a lot of people who felt that way. So even coming off of the past MCU movies and a very similar movie in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and I guess okay, Spider Man is also an MCU movie technically, it's Sony, but it's still an MCU movie. So you can say that. So maybe I'm just going back on my own point. But even if you want to look at the more the most similar recent movie, and that's Guardians of the Galaxy, wasn't as well received as. Ever. So it's just 
I, I don't know. I think that, yes, the hype is – there's more – there's definitely – a. it feels like there's more hype for for Thor right now. But I mean, I, I, mean, the I don't know. About Thor, I, I feel like the thing about Thor, yeah. the thing about Thor is it's a new flavor. This is a different type of Thor movie that we've never gotten before. Yeah, I agree. Yes, we've seen Thor without a hammer. Okay, but what's different? Like, what's different this time? First of all, there's Hulk. This man, there, and people know these storylines. People know Thor Ragnarok. People know World War Hulk, and you know you have these you have these two storylines kind of colliding together to kind of build this new one to to make it fit in the MCU, and it's. It's great, you know, and it looks like it's going to be a wild freaking ride. I mean, you have, you know, and you've seen this director's movie. I haven't seen it. You've seen his movie. Where you need to watch it, dude. It's so good. I really need to watch it. But, I mean, you have this flavor. You have this director really make, really taking a new flavor on these stories that are so serious, so grim, and making it into something so fun and making it into something so great. Yeah, the Thor movies haven't made as much money. You know that it, you can say it's the less it's the less money maker. But okay, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, you and I have both said on this podcast this man has great comedic timing, and it, I feel like that. I feel like he was one of the reasons why. What was it? Ghostbusters that came out last year, which is why Ghostbusters wasn't even that bad because it was mainly it was a part of it was because of him. He had such great comedic timing in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a ton of people are going to really follow that. I mean, again, even in Avengers Age of Ultron, he also had a little bit of comedic timing there, too. And we and everybody loved it. So it's it's great to see that he's going to really have a lot more to do with that. And I feel like people are going to want to see more of Chris Hemsworth. Again, I mean, he's only had small comedic timing here and there in some films, but I feel like this is the film where he really gets to let loose. And I feel like this is going to be a movie that really pushes that. I mean, we're getting, we're getting, like I just said, we're getting a ton of, like I just said earlier, we're getting a ton of reviews that are saying this movie is really freaking good. It's going to want to make people see this movie. It's going to want to make people even go back and see the other Thor movies and be like, why the hell wasn't Thor the Dark World, but more like this. I'm telling you, that's what this movie is going to do. I don't know. I I mean, I, not 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 that I want to Thor the Dark World to be like that, but I mean, it's it's yeah. it's really it's so it it has that potential. Uh huh. I I I just I, I look at I'm just looking at the the past DC movies. This is what I'm stuck on. DC can continuously pump out crap. And people will still go to see it. And let me say what DC got has. DC has trailers. There has not been a single bad DC trailer. There hasn't. I mean, I think the one that really was bad, honestly, was the Batman vs Superman where they unveiled Doomsday. But that was only one, really. That wasn't even a bad trailer. It just showed too much. But. I mean, DC doesn't make bad trailers. DC makes, I'll even say it, they make great trailers. They do. They make really great tra- trailers. Suicide Squad looked like it was going to be a blast. And, okay, it was kind of fun, but it was really dumb. So, I mean, yeah, they can make great trailers. If people can realize that DC makes amazing trailers, but the movies just don't live up, okay, a certain certain movies don't live up to it, then... I think that's when they would start to realize, okay, we really need to start making good decisions. Yeah. 
I I guess what I'm what just what I'm saying is that, y- and you're right about that. But the fact is, people still go see them, and you know we we're coming off of Batman v Superman. Didn't have the best reviews going in. It had okay reviews. Made so much money, <laughs> so much money, and then Suicide Squad had actually pretty bad reviews and made a lot of money. Wonder Woman made tons of money because it was good and now we're going into honestly probably a more overall looked forward to in the history of just pop culture movie than any of those because this is justice league this is like the ultimate team-up movie this this is what a lot of people have been looking forward to for a long time Again, I mean, on top I believe, of the fact that people I are, believe, yeah. I mean, I believe. I mean, look, I believe that Justice League has a chance to be on top. I'm, if I'm going to be honest, it does have a chance to win. It does have a chance to be Thor Ragnarok. It does. It has the nostalgia there. That's the thing that that I can say that beats Thor Ragnarok. It has that nostalgia. It does, and I could say that. I mean, I think, I believe the Avengers beat the Dark Knight Rises, and box by when when a. Avengers was first coming out and, mm-hmm. and that and that movie came out, the Batman trilogy was ending. Avengers beat it. Yeah. Because the nostalgia. So I'm gonna say I mean it has that potential. I'm not gonna dismiss it. Yeah. But I just think that Thor has it. And when you bring up these other when you bring up the these other past DC movies, look, man, it's like it's like DC selling you a product. DC is making it look so good. It's making you look, it's making you it's making you say, damn, man. This is so good. I'm going to buy it. And then when you go home and you finally open the package and you think that this thing works, it's actually crap. Okay? That's what DC feeds you. <laughs> okay? That's what DC does. People need to realize that. I'm not saying that Justice League is going to be a bad movie. I hope I hope it's not a bad movie. There's people in there that I'm honestly rooting for that this movie that I'm rooting for. Mm-hmm. You know? I want Jason Momoa to be great. And I want him to... And he looks like he's having a ton of fun in the MCU, and I want that to continue. I don't want the MCU to be crap. I want them to push good mm-hmm. movies. I do. But it's just like when you have stuff – when you have as much stuff go on backstage as, as stuff like that, I feel like that's going to affect your box office. I do, and it's going to affect it. Yes, you're still going to make your money. Michael Bay continues to make the worst trash I have ever seen on the film and continue to make millions of dollars. <sighs> yeah and you, you know you keep you keep bringing up the the fact that like y- it's we're not being given what we're sold from the trailers and you're right y- you know the the trailers are pre- are very good at, for the most part and then the movies have have been disappointing and that's that's true you're right and and i think you're right in the line of thinking of eventually that's going to fail that's got your eventually people are going to catch on to the fact that these movies are not living up to the trailers but it hasn't happened yet and to and in my mind to think that to think that justice league is the one that it's going to happen for that that's ridiculous it's not going to happen on justice league especially and this is what i keep wanting to go to coming off of one where they actually gave us what we were promised. It's like, you're right. It's like you buying a product, bringing it home, and it not being what you expected, you being disappointed. You're right. Except for the last time, the, the last time the company sold you a product was 
a great product and everyone was completely satisfied. And I think that it's, you can't underestimate what Wonder Woman did for the DCEU. People not, are giving I'm this not, so much I'm faith not now. underestimating it, but you have to understand it's Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins made that. Most people don't know Patty Along, Jenkins' name. Okay, well that sucks, but she <laughs> made it who it was. Like, I know. She made, she I'm put not, DC, look. she put DC on the right, she, she put DC on the right track. Yeah. And on top of that, Gal Gadot, she basically basically told everybody, shut the hell up. Like, I can play Wonder Woman. And she played the hell out of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Like, no. Like, that's another reason why it makes the movie so close. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Like, she – like, those two women and all the featuring cast except for Ares. No offense. <laughs> you, um, yeah. yeah you miscast, man. I mean, you, you were good, but you were miscast. Anyways, um, uh, you know, I feel like those – I feel like that helped DC get get the reputation that it has, but the deal, that still does not take away from the mess that Zack Snyder did with Batman vs Superman. I still haven't rewatched Man of Steel. I, I need to because I personally like Man of Steel, but I need to rewatch it. I'm 100 percent willing to admit that. But again, Batman vs Superman was not that great of a movie. It just it wasn't. It really wasn't. And I feel like yeah. Patty Jenkins did help the DC DCEU universe, of course she did. But Zack, but okay, but again, it's still a Zack Snyder universe. It's I still agree. a Zack Snyder. It's still a Zack Snyder production. Josh Whedon just literally helped, just helped finish it. Yeah. So yes, you still have to take into account. Okay, look, it might not be as bad because you told me that Zack that Josh Whedon was there, at like what he was adding tissue to the film. That's great. It's probably going to make the film better. Hopefully. But it's still a Zack Snyder movie. Yeah. People need to realize that. Look, I'm not I'm not saying that this movie is going to be good. I honestly am very nervous about Justice League. I'm very nervous about it. But I think that most people, and this is, I keep trying to put myself in the shoes of just the average moviegoer. Most people don't know who Petty Jenkins is. They just know that DC, the last movie they made, was pretty awesome. So th- that's, that, that's all I'm saying. But... All right, I think we've had our fill of this debate, and we'll definitely be putting a Twitter poll online on Twitter at ScreenFellows, so definitely go and check that out and vote. And who do you agree with? After you listen to this, go and uh, let us know what you think will make more money in the month of December. All right, well, unless you have anything, do you want to do, do you have a recommendation you want to throw out there before I pass it on to myself and Jesse, or do you want to yes. just throw it over? for those of you guys who have not watched Stranger Things, you guys need to watch Stranger Things. It yes. is a good show. I've been hearing that apparently it's overhyped. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how. I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll talk like, about it when we get to our Stranger Things season two review. I feel like I feel like honestly I feel like I got on Stranger Things at a good time because I feel yes. like everybody else who got late on it is just like, dude, it's That's so very it's true. Like, I'm like, I mean, no, it's not. I don't think it is. I think it's really good. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. I really do. Because, you know, if we hadn't watched it so early and kind of, you know, been some of the people saying, this is really good, you need to watch it, then it's it's just, it's one of those things where you get there so late and you're just like, I don't get why everybody's so excited about this. It's like, yeah, I, I it's, I don't know. I think for me, it has the La La Land effect. You know what I always say? I've, it's basically one of my sayings at this point. A, a movie, or in this case, a show, can be great, 
but also be overrated. And I think that is the case for Stranger Things. Um, Because (laughs) we'll go more in depth on this when we actually talk about Stranger Things season two, because that is coming at some point. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully, if I had to guess, I'd say the Wednesday episode next week. So a week from now, but I'm not going to guarantee anything. But anyway, uh, it's yes, Stranger Things is great, but there are things on Netflix that I think are better that people don't watch. And that's unfortunate. But anyway, yes, but you should watch Stranger Things. I have to think think about that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what's on. I have it like right now. It's it's not at the top of my head. That's just not. I think it's one of the funnest things you can watch. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, definitely. I mean, you go on there. You want to have fun. Watch it. I can't wait for um, season two. It's so going to be so good. It's going to be great. I'm gonna have right. So freaking fun. But anyways, I'm going to let y'all take over. <laughs> Enjoy Star Wars Rebels. Again, guys, for those of you guys who don't know, the Walking Dead recaps will mainly now be on the YouTube channel. Yep. So we can have more time to have these amazing discussions, more debates. and stuff like that for you guys. So check it out on the YouTube channel. Um, screen fellas, subscribe. Please subscribe. All right. Back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Back on the YouTube channel. All oh, right. Yeah. And also, Jesse's going to be having Star Wars videos coming up. I know he'll probably talk about that in a few minutes, but keep that in mind as well. All right. Well, Ozzy, thank you for being on as always. But now we're going to throw it over to Jesse and myself for a Star Wars Rebels recap. And we're back with another episode of our Rebels Recap. Uh, I'm Jesse, here with your host your host of the main show, Carlos. What's up? Oh, you know, not much. Just been uh, putting together some new content for the YouTube channel. Uh, yep. And, uh, starting this week, right? Yes, starting Friday is when our, we will have a brand new ser- Star Wars series dropping on YouTube starting Friday. And then Monday is the return of our Star Wars book series if you're not familiar with that check out the youtube channel and you'll see what i'm talking about all right <laughs> so i'm looking forward to that yeah uh, i don't read yeah we're going to be uh starting monday covering the book thrawn by timothy timothy zahn who is one of my favorite uh star wars writers and thrawn is probably my favorite star wars character um going back and forth between him and vader that is uh bold I know, I know. That's what can I say? I'm a bold guy, <laughs> bold and spicy. All right, uh, want to get into A1. this episode? Uh, sure. Uh, so this episode was called "In the Name of the Rebellion." Uh, it was another two-parter. I'm really liking these two-parters. They feel more yes. meaningful than um, than what we were getting a lot most of the show, actually. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this one uh, starts out with. Um, the ghost crew coming and landing uh, outside of the Masasi base uh, on Yavin 4, going to uh, join up with the rest of the Rebel Alliance, the Collective Alliance now. I really like that we're actually joining them, and we saw Callus again, what the um, writers of the show has, have dubbed Hot Callus because his hair is different. 
And uh, yeah, they were basically talking about their plans to go, dis- how their plans were ruined by this big uh, satellite dish that's extended the reach of the Empire's uh, intel thing. And uh, saw Hera and her team crash land and some Y-Wings onto the surface after losing most of their squadron. So anyway, they uh, make plans to go and uh, basically hack this big information source so that they can know what the Empire's doing around the galaxy and make use of that to plan their missions around the Empire because they know they're not ready for an open assault yet. Uh, and then, But uh, Ezra has his doubts because... Uh, he promised some help to Lothal, and they're not actually. Oops, <laughs> and they're not actually sending any help to Lothal yet. But uh, Mon Mothma kind of calms him down and says, "Look, we know you. We can't do that yet, right? Like, we just don't have the resources." But uh, then Saw Gerrera shows up, and that is always a good sign. <laughs> I love Saw Gerrera. Yeah, he was wasted in Rogue One. I believe me and you agree on yes, that front. Carlos. Yes, yes, yes. I and in a way because it's Forrester Dicker voicing Sagarer in this, it kind of it reminds me a little bit of him in Rogue One. I'm just like, ah, like that's what you become. Is, is that yeah. is that Forrester Whitaker in that? Episode? I think it is. Okay, I could be wrong, but I could have swore it was. Uh, I'm going to fact check this real quick while right. we talk. Yeah. So. Anyway, I really, I, I like seeing Saw. I think he's an interesting character. He's, he's kind of an interesting pushback against what we know as the Rebels, who, you know, they kind of are painting the Rebels as like, oh, they don't do anything against, like, against their code or whatever. But, I mean, they really kind of do. It's just they don't maybe go as far as Saw does. Yeah, I mean, uh, my Mothma points out the, the thing that they don't torture prisoners, basically. Yeah. That's one of their defining moments. And Saw calls Mon Mothma out on that, and I really enjoyed that moment. Because, like, she is, she gets all, she gets really mad at him. Because we're, the only yeah. portrayals we've had of her really so far, outside of some books, are her just being calm and collected, like, always. Mm-hmm. And in this, she like actually got fired up, and even Saul said, "That's the leader of the yeah. rebellion we need to we need right now." Mm-hmm. And I think she actually stops and thinks about that a little bit. And really, but that's the thing, Mon Mothma's not that leader. That's where the generals and Leia come in. Yeah, in my experience, like Leia is the impassioned, bold one. Mon Mothma's the diplomatic one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, continue. Sorry. No, I, I'm just. I think a lot of this is, and I I know we're probably going to talk about this a little down the line as well, but a lot of this is really just leading to Rogue, to where we start on Rogue One, basically. And I really like that. And a lot of, especially in this first episode, I guess, we get a lot of the politics of it and how they don't want to abandon that. And that's something that we finally do see them, spoilers, I guess, abandon in Rogue One. And I guess we're kind of retroactively getting the build-up to that. I I almost wish that this season would have been last season, (laughs) you know? Yeah. We could have gotten a lot of this before Rogue One. Yeah, I mean, this is hovering right around the events of Rogue One. It has to be. Uh, But anyway, let's jump into the plot again real quick before we uh, get too far into our analysis, because that can take all day. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they go to hack into this base and fail miserably mm-hmm. uh, through some coincidental stuff that happens in cartoons all the time. <laughs> so uh, b- basically... We can uh, admit it. Yeah. Basically, Ezra uh, claims he's pretending to be an Imperial officer over the comm system and says, my name's 
whatever, I forget what it is, but it turns out that he's talking to the, that <laughs> officer, this one that they've faced several times, which gets that officer really mad, and they have to end up getting rescued by Saw and uh, blowing up the big satellite dish. Yeah. So at that point, Ezra and Sabine and Chopper, who were actually on the dish, get separated from Hera and Kanan and the rest. Mm-hmm. So then begins episode two, which is um, basically... Ezra and Sabine adventuring along with Saul with a giant kyber crystal, uh, which we know that's going to the Death Star. And But it was really cool to actually see one of these giant kyber crystals. We've seen a little bit of kyber crystals before, and we were going to see a big giant one in the Clone Wars, but that eventually that got canceled, of course. Mm-hmm. And it was cool because this one's actually coming from Jeddah. So that goes back to your whole thing with Rogue One, where this should have been last season, basically. Mm-hmm. So that we would be have more hype, more information going into Rogue One than we did, than getting all this retroactive information now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they're trying to go back and add and fill in the blanks of the story that Rogue One has. Yeah, and like like fill in the which gaps. it does have, by the way. Don't fight me on Rogue One, please. Or you can come at me on Twitter. I'll fight you. Yeah, yeah. Don't. That's that's always a fun conversation. I've had that conversation with Carlos. We're not too distant, but I hold a higher opinion than he does. I think. But anyway, uh, well, that's another discussion. <laughs> Sorry. No. You, uh, so anyway, we see some more of Saul's character in that, and yeah. I actually called out at one point. He's like uses the stun setting on some stormtroopers, and like I, I called it out right then. I was like. That's not Saul. Yeah. Now we see a little bit of that later when Saul says, tells Ezra and Sabine, he's like, look, I'm overloading this kyber crystal uh, and I can, I will leave you and the prisoners that were rescued, that you rescued here to die. uh, Or you can come with me and fight. And they were like, "Uh, no, we're not leaving the prisoners behind. So he says, all right, suit yourself and leaves without them. But he he still has respect for Ezra, at least, Mm -hmm. because he says, I hope we meet again. And he's completely genuine about it. Yeah, and that's kind of just Saul's character that we... We know or he, he definitely has his beliefs, but he also has some sort of strange code. Yeah, we well, it's mainly just like, what would Stila do? His his uh, sister that died in yeah, the Clone War. Like, and even then, he doesn't follow that all the time. Yeah. It's mainly like, if you have a like mind, he will leave you to die, but he hopes you don't. <laughs> uh, that's my interpretation of yeah. it. But anyway, they over, he overloads the kyber crystal. Everybody... All of our heroes get out safely, along with the prisoners, who are engineers that were being kidnapped to work on the Death Star. But instead, they choose to join the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And uh, the crystal blows up, destroys a Star Destroyer, and everybody, all our people get away. Yeah. So, and I love their... I, <laughs> I love um, Hera's reaction when she basically pulls up and she's like, what the frick did they just do? <laughs> Yeah, what was it? Zeb says uh, those two can't go anywhere without blowing something up. Yeah. And any time those two actually do go anywhere, they do blow something up, <laughs> pretty much. So it wasn't their fault, but no, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. They they really didn't blow it up. But you know, it was really cool though. Uh, we saw like death troopers and mentions of uh, Director Krennic and stuff throughout this episode, which reinforce our, our earlier arguments. But it was really cool to see the death troopers again because uh-huh. we got to see them are actual eliteness over the yes. stormtroopers a little bit. They're still a little bit bumbling because it's a kid's show, mm-hmm. but we've talked about this many times before. It's We just got to get past the fact that this is still a kid's show. Mm-hmm. 
And that's hard for me a lot of times because uh, the Glorious Empire is not a weak and bumbling machine, <laughs> but it that's the way it's portrayed in this because kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's pretty much it for the episode. It was really cool. Uh, didn't add a whole lot to the plot except it more just establishing the time frame mm-hmm. and more of Saul's madness because his whole thing was they had to follow this kyber crystal wherever it was going because that's where whatever their building was going to be. And when it wasn't, he just, even though Sabine and Ezra kept telling him, that's probably not what's going what's to happen. It's just going to be a depot or something like that. When it turned out that's not where the Death Star was, he just had a meltdown and freaked out. And it just shows that he's kind of going insane a little bit. Which is where we pick him, basically pick up with him on in Rogue One, which again goes back to my thing of they're trying to fill in like reasons for what we saw in Rogue One. Yeah, which because, is fine because when we saw Saw before Rogue One, he was rational. Yeah, he was still extreme. Yes, when they were on Geonosis, but he exactly. wasn't crazy yet. Yeah. Um, now I'm curious if this is like if we're gonna continue on this hard path of we're leading right into Rogue One, or if we're going to kind of, or if this was just to establish where we are time-wise, and then we're going to continue on in our own separate thing. Because if we continue in this hard path to Rogue One, it continues to make me question, why didn't we have this before? But then also, does that mean we're going to get characters like Cassian in this? You know, I would love that. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get that much more Rogue One content. Uh-huh. Uh Let's see. I'm lo- just looking ahead at the episode listings. We have like uh, the occupation, flight of the defender, Kendrick, crawler, Comm- commandeers, and rebel assault. It looks like we're going to be moving back into the Thrawn thing. Like we mm-hmm. saw a glimpse again this week of the sure. tie defender and how the ghost has who shoots down innumerable ties has trouble with two defenders, which yeah. are Thrawn's pre- pet project. So I think we're getting back into that, and we're going to be working towards a new hope instead. Mm-hmm. I, I almost forgot about Thrawn, and that's... Not, that's really bad. Yeah, that's not good. Especially, he was in last week, so that's a little bit your your problem. Yeah, true. But also, it's just like... It, it, he is the, he's been the big bad for a whole season, and we're assuming all of this season as well. So yeah, this, should, this episode should have had at least something point to him. Yeah. Like, if he's not directly involved, something needs to point to him. Yeah, I, I I don't know I don't know. Thrawn has been he's he's fine. I mean, there's there's great moments with Thrawn, but I just and th- this is where I can understand some frustration. Most of the time, I get very annoyed with fanboy frustration. It's like, oh, it's not how it was in the book, so blah blah blah. But this is where I can understand it because I'm not like I'm not obsessed with this character. I don't I, I don't even at all comprehend how you can say something like he's like one of your favorite Star Wars characters or whatever. Right. Because my only frame of reference, apart from what you tell me, is this show. And when you don't have that show like saying, you you have all these people who just know the show going, why do you love this character so much? And I can, that's when I can understand the frustration. And... For me, I that's where I am right now. I'm just like I don't get the, yeah, I don't get the obsession with this character. The, and the thing is, like, it pains me a lot because I just said earlier earlier tonight that yeah. Thrawn is my one of my favorite Star Wars characters. But it, it bothers me a lot when fan when people say like, uh, "Oh, well, this isn't like it was in in the books." Well, no, that book isn't canon anymore. That doesn't that doesn't even exist. I don't know why you're <laughs> upset about this, but. 
when things don't line up with the current canon that is being approved by higher-ups like Pablo Hidalgo and Dave Filoni and all these other people that are high up in the lore, making sure that everything lines up and is consistent, we're not getting consistency here. Mm -hmm. Because everything that happens in Thrawn is before anything that ha that's happened in Rebels so far, mm -hmm. where we've seen him. So why he is not being the tactical genius that we have seen already in the book? Okay, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and it's just and and it is and especially even within the show, we'll see moments of him just kind of seeming to bumble about like the rest of the Empire, yeah, and questioning things, and then other moments where he's just scary, yeah, good and. Even that doesn't line up, really. So I hope they start to bring this to a close like and give some explanation as to why it has been the way it is. Yeah. It, we get flashes of what the character can be in this show. And I want the full thing. It's almost like I wouldn't even mind if we get to deep in the show and there's this huge plot revealed and he's been playing them this entire time. Everything that's happened is what he wanted. I wouldn't mind that. Go for that. Because and, that would make me understand. And I mean, we, we kind of get a little bit of that because like last season he did yeah. say he didn't want to launch. And, and everybody was questioning him, like, just wipe out these Lothal rebels like yeah. we asked you to. And he, he said, no, I want to get them all in once in one fell swoop. Uh -huh. And now he has that opportunity. So, one, how is he not going to do it? Because he's mm -hmm. not, uh, unfortunately. And uh, but. And why hasn't he already acted on it? Is yeah. he st still waiting on something? I, I don't know. I I think we're gonna. I think the focus of the show is gonna shift back towards Lothal. I think they talked about it a lot in this episode. It seems to be a focus of Ezra, and Ezra is probably our primary main character in right. the show. Even even Hera showed frustration about it. Yeah. In the first episode. So I think that's where our focus is going to shift back to and it's a way of distancing ourselves from the main storyline of the movies. Yeah. So that you're not too like dependent on it like what we had in this episode, which wasn't bad. I liked seeing no, the Rogue it, One it, stuff, but where it's so dependent on the Rogue One stuff that they kind of have to abandon everything else. Yeah. So I think that the shift is going to happen soon where we go back to Lothal, and that's how they bring Thrawn back in. So, I yeah, I think that's where, where, where we're going to end up going. Yeah, I've, I'm I've looking got, forward to it. I've got a few more little thoughts here. Go One is Hera. Uh, if we she if they do go away for back towards Lothal, I don't know if Hera's going to go with them. Oh, because I mean, she we saw in Rogue One that Hera still Hera and Chopper and the Ghost are still with them for the Battle over Scar Scarif. And she's been promoted to general. So mm -hmm. she's not going to leave the rebellion to go help with Rogue One. Because I think if they do go to help with Lothal, uh, then she, then it's going to be some of them like just dropping out of the out of the collective for really? a little bit. Really? Okay. They might go rogue. Because Mon Mothman's already said, we don't have the resources for open war. I want to help, but we can't yet. I don't think that it's going to be a full-on alliance initiative yet. Okay. But... Um, Number two, as much as we complain about this show, I still really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I do point out we we point out all the flaws, but that's our job. I still really like the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we criticize the things we care about. Exactly. And uh, number three is uh, just our a little thing of ask your opinion on this, Carlos. We got one line explaining with Sabine explaining why she's not on Mandalore. How did you feel on that? 
I would have appreciated some more because we just spent two episodes there, but... Yeah, I mean, it's whatever. I mean, yeah, it's I, basically we what we said. We, ultimately, we got what we wanted. We got Sabine back with everybody. So right, yeah. The, the only line, the way they reference it, like we see Sabine joining them on Yavin, and then Hera's just like, why aren't you on Mandalore with your family? And she said, oh, they can handle themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, everybody's, that's acceptable. Yeah. And it kind of is, because she's not in charge anymore. She doesn't have the Darksaber. Yeah. But still, it's just like a little, eh, okay. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you something. Yeah. Do you are you still of the mindset that the show is going to end on a downbeat, where people are either die or leave or something like that? I would hope die, but you never know. Probably not. <clears throat> um, I want to say yes, but I'm really scared that they won't. That they'll just kind of meld into everything else. Mm-hmm. What 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 what, what are you thinking? I I think. I mean, we, it's important to remember that this is the final season. Yeah. I mean, and, so, and we've been surprised before. Like, yes. we've, we're only two, basically two episodes in. Yes. So far this season. And so they really can go any direction with this. But I'm getting scared knowing the nature of the show that they won't kill anybody off. I would hope they do. I think Kanan is going to kind of go off and do his own thing. Okay. I, I think he's going to either go into exile or something like that. I just think he's going to be a character who exists, but he's not, you know, he's just going to go off and we're going to have separate stories either via comics or something like that with him. All right. Ezra, I, he's the one that I just, I really want him to be the one who dies. Not because I don't like him, but because I feel like that's just the only way you can end his character. I agree. Uh, but I mean, I'm nervous with him. Maybe he stays on Lothal and decides he's going to fight there. I mean, that that would be okay. It's just, I think that the end of this season is going to kind of culminate with some sort of battle at Lothal. And that's when things are going to go down. I honestly, I, we might disagree on this. I don't think Rogue One is going to happen during the, like, the events of Rogue One are going to happen during this season. No, I think that's going to be after. I so think we might get some flashes of but that's the why, crew afterward. Yeah, that's but. why I don't think Hera... I think Hera's going to go with them. Because I think whatever happens at Lothal, I would hope... Again, this might be me just more hoping than actually like predicting. But I would hope it ends poorly. And maybe that group is forced to scatter. Maybe somebody dies. Maybe something happens where they're... Some of them leave, and they just kind of go, and Hera is just like, all right, I'm going to go back to the Rebellion. Uh-huh. Um, that's where I'm kind of leaning, but again, that could just be my hopes and dreams. So, uh-huh. Yeah, and that's very possible. And I've, I mean, I've got a lot of more thoughts on this, but we should probably start wrapping it up. And we've got plenty more content coming where we'll be able to talk about this. Plenty exactly. more episodes to analyze before we come to a final conclusion on this. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's... Just a complex issue. Maybe we should, I don't know, come up with some kind of video. Let, let us know on Twitter yes. what you think is going to happen to the crew at the end, whether that's like the crew as a whole or individual members, however you want to do it. Just let us know on our Twitter account. And yeah, tweet at Screenfellas, definitely. All right. So, thank you for joining us for this episode. Thank you for joining us for this Rebels recap in particular. But then the episode as a whole. We had a great time. Of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we are going to have a Twitter poll up for what Ozzy and I debated. What's going to make more money in November? Justice League or Thor Ragnarok? Make sure you go and vote on that. That'll be up probably 
uh, within 24 hours after this episode goes online. So definitely go and check that out. Also, make sure you follow us all over social media, all at ScreenFollows, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, everything. The website, definitely check that out. We got great reviews on there. So there's just so many ways you can follow us. So go do that, support in any way you can. Of course, you can find Ozzy on Twitter. Hopefully, you can tweet at him and he'll hopefully he'll respond. <laughs> it's at CastroOzzy. And then, Jesse, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Colonel Swink. All right. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cherry456. And, of course, just, just subscribe, rate, and review. That would help us out a lot. Thank you for joining us. This is Screenfellows. Only different in your mind.